Hey there, boys and girls. Andrew Brand with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brand. I got Joe Asher. He's the CEO of William Hill. This is gambling news. The Supreme Court's taken a case on New Jersey sports betting. New Jersey's been trying to implement it. They've been blocked. And of course, all the leagues, NFL, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, all opposing it. Talk about that. He's got some opinions on what could happen and whether the league should get together and frame a gambling bill before the court takes over later this year. CEO of William Hill, Joe Asher, up next on the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Got a great guest today, an old friend, Joe Asher, the CEO of William Hill. Joe's going to talk about a momentous decision on the legal front yesterday as a lawyer like me, kind of a lawyer now in the business side of sports. And um, for those who don't know, what happened was the Supreme Court's taken the case. It's the New Jersey sports betting case that was basically ruled against New Jersey that the United States law, PASPA, PASPA, disallowed sports gaming, sports gambling in New Jersey, the lower court, the circuit court, both agreed that the decision would prohibit, excuse me, prohibit New Jersey from doing this. Now we have a decision the other way. The Supreme Court is taking the case and we'll hear it in October which is kind of a good sign for New Jersey and a good sign for sports betting. At least that's what industry insiders think. And one of those is Joe Asher. Joe, welcome to the program. And your first reaction hearing the Supreme Court's going to take on this New Jersey sports betting case. Well, obviously, Andrew, it was welcome news. Uh, it's uh, It's been a long uh, and arduous battle that the state of New Jersey has been uh, has been waging in federal court. And uh, it's probably a good lesson in uh, the, the, the merits of perseverance and persistence. Uh, you know, this all started uh, with a voter referendum uh, probably six, seven years ago now um, that uh, by a two to one vote, uh, I think it was back in 2011, the, uh, right. the citizens in New Jersey said they wanted sports betting that led to uh, legislation uh, passing uh, a loss by a two to one vote in the uh, Court of Appeals. Uh, then uh, another uh, attempt to, uh, to pass some legislation to comply with the first court ruling uh, led to more litigation, uh, a, a big on uh, banc hearing in the uh, Court of Appeals, and, uh, and then uh, another appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, which uh, you know, yesterday uh, indicated they would accept the case. doesn't mean New Jersey is going to win, but uh, the fact that the Supreme Court is taking the case up, I think it's viewed as a very positive development uh, among people who uh, who watch this uh, who watch this sort of stuff yeah and you not only watch it but as ceo of william hill you're obviously invested in the gaming business what what's your reaction as to if and i know it's a big if you know if this case goes the way new jersey wants it and the way you want it and the way the gaming industry wants it with legalization will it be kind of a potpourri state by state will it be the chaos that uh the government's concerned about with states. What's your anticipation? What would happen if the Supreme Court rules in New Jersey's favor? Uh, well, so first of all, I think you have to look at it just statistics wise. The odds are that the Supreme Court does, in fact, rule for New Jersey. I think in the last term, something like 80 percent 
of federal appeals court decisions were reversed by the U.S. Supreme Court. Right. Uh, and even historically, it's, you know, the numbers are somewhere around 70 percent or north of 70 percent. Uh, so essentially, the Supreme Court, you know, only only takes those cases where there's a high likelihood that they're going to overturn the lower court. And that's probably all the more so uh, with respect to this scenario where there was no conflict amongst lower courts. Uh, you know, oftentimes, the Supreme Court will weigh in when there's a split amongst different circuits. You know, the right. Third Circuit goes one way. The First Circuit goes another. You didn't have that here. The only circuit that has spoken is the Third Circuit. Uh, so I, I think the mere fact that the court has taken the case, uh, you know, can certainly be viewed favorably. And of course, you know, it doesn't mean New Jersey is going to win. And, you know, Chris Christie, the governor of New Jersey, basically uh, made similar comments uh, yesterday. Um, however, in the event that uh, the case does go to decision, and I'll come back to that in a second, uh, and New Jersey wins, uh, basically what that means uh, is PASPA, uh, certainly in one scenario, the court rules that PASPA is uh, invalid, unconstitutional, and infringes upon state sovereignty and is not valid. That then shifts the, uh, the matter back to states. And if New Jersey wants to have sports betting, which uh, clearly under this administration they do, have to keep in mind there will be a new governor in place by the time the Supreme Court rules. Um, but if New Jersey wants to have sports betting, they can have it. Similarly, in Delaware, where you have um, betting on NFL parlays uh, under the auspices of the state lottery, you know, Delaware would then be able to offer wagering on all types of sports. Uh, and conversely, you know, if, if, uh, uh, if my friends in Utah don't want to have gambling uh, on sports, uh, then they don't have to. It, it's really a fundamental state's rights issue. And so you'll see some states uh, opting in pretty quickly. Uh, others may be a little later uh, down, the, uh, down the line. And some uh, will will you know, choose to stay out of the business altogether. I mean, you're in Vegas. It's a huge business. Uh, you know, the American Gaming Association puts out all these stats every year, especially around the Super Bowl. I don't have it in front of me, but in terms of the percentage of wagering that goes on under the table illegally compared to legally, obviously it's a vast disparity, much more illegal than legal. We've had Adam Silver, an op-ed in the New York Times, saying we got to bring this out of the shadows. We have other commissioners like Manfred, like even uh, Don Garber, MLS, saying similar things. You know, the momentum seems there. Where do you think this is going? I mean, on a general sense, obviously, you're, you're a little bit biased, but you have to feel like there's an evolving aspect towards gaming and gambling right now among the sports leagues. Uh, sure, I certainly think so. Um, I think the you know the old attitude uh, that led to the passage of PASPA back in 1992 was that um, legalized sports betting threatens the integrity of the game. Right. Uh, somehow games are going to be corrupted because people can bet on them. Well, history has shown the exact opposite, which is uh, where you don't have legal and regulated sports betting, uh, you have a massive black market, and that's what exists uh, in in the United States today. Right. I mean, I could go to any uh, any town in America and figure out a place to get a bet on within an hour. And that's assuming I wasn't just going to do it uh, illegally on the Internet uh, or through an illegal offshore Internet uh, uh, sports book. Right. So, uh, you know, it, it hasn't in any way stopped people from betting. It's just moved everybody to the black market. Uh, and, and and I think over time, you know, uh, there, there's been an evolution of thinking 
uh, around this issue. Uh, and you know, the, the momentum really got picked up pretty significantly when Adam Silver wrote his op-ed piece in the New York Times about two and a half years ago. And, you know, it, it wasn't that uh, Commissioner Silver came out and said he's for legalizing sports betting and regulating it as much, to me anyway, as much as um, the, 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 the amount of thought that had clearly gone into the opinions he expressed in that in that op-ed piece. I mean, he just didn't wake up on Tuesday morning and decide to write it. Right. Uh, a lot of research and thought, uh, you know, went into uh, exactly what he was suggesting. And, you know, he had been exposed to the European market uh, prior to the time that he became the commissioner. And, you know, frankly, I think there's, there, on this topic, um, there's a generational um, uh, component to it as well, as well. Maybe a little bit, frankly, like gay marriage, where folks of a younger generation just view the issue fundamentally different than folks of an older generation. And so when you had this transition in commissioners from uh, David Stern to Adam Silver, and of course, you know, now have a uh, different generational commissioner in Major League Baseball uh, with Rob Manfred and, and uh, you know, a new generation of commissioners in, in a number of sports, I think, you know, of course, they're going to come to this with uh, with different perspectives. Um, and then, you know, one other thing that I think has been a significant factor in the evolution of thinking around this issue has been daily fantasy sports. Betting. Right. Right. I mean, you know, I've been in the same fantasy football league for 25 years. It's a season long fantasy league right. with a, uh, a bunch of guys. And it's really all about bragging rights. Well, you know, fast forward to a few years ago, uh, folks come up with this idea for uh, daily fantasy uh, and, and, and really fundamentally that's a gambling product and it, and it's evolved uh, and was being marketed as a gambling product. And of course, who can forget the barrage, the barrage of advertisement. Right. 2015. Right. Yeah, no, it was brutal. I mean, but for the fact of maybe seeing you on ESPN, you didn't want to watch television <laughs> because it was either a DraftKings commercial or a FanDuel commercial. And it was just brutal to watch. Um, and, and, you know, clearly the, the sports league's embrace of daily fantasy sports betting um, has, has um, sort of fueled uh, the momentum, I think, towards legalizing traditional sports betting. Because, frankly, I don't see how you can be for one and against the other. I mean, if you're for daily fantasy sports betting, you've got to be for traditional sports betting because, fundamentally, they're the same thing, right? They're, they're gambling on sporting events uh, and outcomes. Uh, and performances during those events. You know, it's it's interesting you, know, you say uh, that, Joe. I'm going to start to interrupt, but I talked to Roger Goodell about that exact thing, and uh, we had an on the record and an off the record conversation about it. And he was very clear, first of all, that unlike NBA and NHL and baseball, the NFL does not invest in one of those two companies, DraftKings or FanDuel. Which, again, I mean, two owners do, Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones, but he seems to have some plausible deniability there. The other thing was more interesting. Basically, he was distinguishing the two, saying DFS is a mashup. And it's, you know, these guys on this team, these guys on that team, how they do rather than team outcomes, whereas traditional gambling is team outcomes. What do you think of him making that distinction and saying there is there are differences? As a, as a lawyer would say, it's a distinction without a difference. Uh, and here's why. Um, you know, first of all, um, prop betting, betting on player performances, has been going on in Las Vegas uh, for decades. Uh, probably first 
you know, reached uh, um, the attention of major media back in, I think it was the 86 Super Bowl when, you know, there was a prop on whether or not Refrigerator Perry would score a touchdown. Right. And everybody bet yes, yes, yes. And then, you know, they brought him in uh, late in the game and he got his touchdown. Um, but, you know, you can bet on, you know, how many passing yards uh, Tom Brady's going to have or Eli Manning or rushing yards for, you know, a running back and so forth. So there already is betting on player performances. Um, and then obviously there's a correlation between the performance of a top player and how, uh, you know, that team's going to do uh, in the game, right? If right. you take the under on Tom Brady passing yards, chances are you might be betting against the Patriots uh, as well. So um, th- th- there's clearly a correlation. And, you know, the, the, the other thing that was kind of interesting is I used to hear this argument that somehow um, – the, the integrity risk to fantasy is somehow less or non-existent in comparison to uh, betting on the outcome of the game. And, of course, that's just silly because, well, number one, I think the integrity risk on betting on an NFL football game is pretty de minimis to start with. Right. Right. But, you know, but beyond that, uh, you know, if you know that a certain uh, player uh, is not going to have a good game, well, that gives you the ability, you know, to um, create teams around that one player. Uh, and conversely, you know, if there's a, uh, a player who's guarding a wide receiver and you know that the guy guarding the wide receiver is going to somehow take it easy on him in this game, uh, you might want to take, uh, you know, the, the receiver that he's guarding. Right? Right. Now, these are all, you know, these are all really remote and hypothetical types of scenarios. But my point is, you know, it's just a distinction without a difference. Or if you want to talk corruption, you can talk corruption in either. Um, and, and again, I think those are all pretty minor. But from the fundamental aspect of, you know, betting on a performance of a player versus betting on, on the outcome of the game, you know, there, there, there's not a whole lot of space uh, between them. If you're betting on the Patriots, you know, you're betting on Tom Brady. Yeah. Um, now, you know, Brady can have a bad game. Patriots can still win. But, you know, fundamentally, that's what you're doing. Yeah, I like your phrase. I mean, as both of us are lawyers, distinction without a difference. I'll, I'll use that here again because here we have the NHL starting this fall and the NFL starting anywhere from two to three years from now in the epicenter of, of gambling in the United States, Las Vegas, both leagues placing franchises there. My question is what was really curious to hear when the Vegas move happened with the Raiders, Roger Goodell praising the Nevada regulations on gambling to me, aren't those the same regulations he and all the sports leagues are fighting in New Jersey. In this case, the Supreme court is taking, I I found that very curious. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, you can't reconcile the various statements uh, that have been made on the topic, right? You can't be for legalized sports betting uh, or against legalized sports betting but somehow you're for it because it's happening in a regulated world in Las Vegas. um, You know, what's really interesting about the move of the Raiders to Las Vegas in in my mind is um, just the, you know, the dramatic sort of shift uh, in, in, in opinion that's led to that. Right. It wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago when, um, you know, that commercial, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Right, the right. And Visitor Zero put together. Right. Uh, they, tried to adver- they tried to advertise during the Super Bowl. And the advertisement for the city of Las Vegas, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, was rejected. 
and they were not allowed to buy advertising time during a Super Bowl because there was this somehow, uh, this, you know, the Super Bowl was going to be tainted uh, by mention of Las Vegas as a sponsor. It's just a, you know, a big shift in in the way the issue is viewed. You know, and I come back to my gay marriage analogy and how far uh, thinking has evolved on that issue. Um, the fact that you know, and, and and gambling really you know didn't play into the issue. Even the one guy who voted no, it wasn't anything having to do with gambling right, or right. moving the uh, on moving the team. The Dolphins, so, right? Uh, and and but yeah, the Dolphins. And and you know, I think that you know that vote was premised on you know you shouldn't move teams unless you've exhausted all remedies right. elsewhere. Um, you know, and, and there's no doubt the Raiders are going to be a big success uh, here in Las Vegas. I mean, people are excited about it. Uh, you mentioned the um, uh, you know the hockey teams coming to town, an expansion uh, team that's going to start playing this fall. Uh, you know, there's been betting uh, on UNLV college basketball games since I think it was 2001, 2002, when uh, mm-hmm. casinos started offering betting on those games. Um, and, you know, but for the fact that, you know, UNLV hasn't been doing too well in recent years, um, you know, it certainly it's, got, it's completely unrelated to gambling. Um, and so, um, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, people are betting on the Raiders, whether they're playing in Las Vegas or whether they're playing in Oakland, uh, or certain, certainly they're betting on them when they're playing, you know, at Wembley Stadium uh, in London. Uh, people are betting on them all over the country. Um, you know, the the – the movement towards legalized sports betting is, as Commissioner Silver says, just bringing that uh, uh, conduct out of the shadows and into the sunlight where it's transparent, where it can be monitored, where consumers are protected, uh, where the integrity of the game is protected. Um, and, and, and really, it's about creating jobs uh, and generating tax revenue and bringing back money that's going offshore, bringing it back onshore. I mean, those are the, the relevant public policy principles that I think are, are underlying this movement towards legalizing sports betting. You mentioned you thought the Raiders would do well there as I do, as do I. I mean, I know, I mean, you and I talked about you know, these great events in Vegas on Saturday nights and people kind of are hung over looking for something to do on Sundays. And then beyond football, there's going to be a lot of events, obviously at that stadium. You talk about that a little. And also, where do you forecast the uh, the hockey team, the Golden Knights, starting in September? I think you mentioned to me, if you could share again, are they requiring season ticket holders to buy multiple years? And how's that? How's the sales going there? And how's the anticipation for the hockey team as well? Well, I think the way they were doing it is certain seats you had to commit for three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got great seats you know, like center ice, row four, row six, something like that. We had to commit for three years. Um, you know, maybe you know, other seats you didn't have to commit as long. Uh, I'm not really sure. But, uh, you know, they, they sold out the allotment of season tickets. I, I forget whether it was 12000 or 14000 something like, uh, like that, uh, were sold out. Um, and so I don't think there's any doubt, you know, first-year games are going to be um, pretty well attended. Uh, the first game is October the 10th or something like that mm-hmm. uh, versus Arizona. Um, you know, the, the, the question and the challenge is going to be, you know, years two, years three, year four, uh, especially if the team isn't winning, right? Is it going to be like Phoenix uh, or is it going to be like Nashville? I mean, right. that I think, you know, becomes, you know, becomes the question. Uh, but, um, you know, there's a big difference, of course, between eight regular season NFL games 
uh, and 42 regular season NHL games. Right. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that's why you have to kind of view those two franchises very differently. Um, and, you know, add, add on to that the fact that, you know, to the extent that Las Vegas has a home team anyway, it's the Raiders. I mean, there's a lot of Raiders fans here, even before there was talk of moving the team here. Whether you know it's it's um, from you know from the old LA days or folks who have migrated here from the Bay Area, you know there's an existing fan base that already supports the Raiders, and obviously that's grown. I mean, I went to Costco with the family over the weekend, and they're selling you know Raiders branded uh, lawn chairs. <laughs> uh, so you know um, the 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 the, um, the the fan base for the Raiders, I think you know is starting from a different place than. Uh, an expansion team, which you know, by definition doesn't have a fan base. Um, but, you know, you do see people walking around with their Golden Knights jerseys now. I mean, mm. When I was out to dinner the other night, you know, you saw, you know, folks walking around with their, their T-shirts and their uh, sweatshirts and the like. So, um, you know, clearly people are excited. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll see how the franchise does you know, as, as time progresses. Yeah, last question, spinning back to where we started. If we have this hearing at the Supreme Court, October, I guess we're expecting decision early 18, you know, beyond the legal out, the legalities, you've got the new stadium opening for the Raiders. I know that we're still figuring out what's going to happen to them in 2019, whether they can still be in Oakland or be in a temporary facility. But 2020 is the year it opens there. What's your best guess on the gambling landscape nationally uh and the gambling landscape with these sports leagues especially the nfl when we get to opening day 2020 in vegas it's a great question um well so a couple things first of all i think the the briefing in the uh in the sports betting case is due to be completed in october okay um so they might they might not actually get around to arguing the case to the early part of uh of next year you know, it's certainly a decision you'd expect, you know, maybe, you know, within 12 months or right around this time next year. You know, but the other thing I'll, I'll kind of throw out there for, for folks to start thinking about is, you know, given the fact that the Supreme Court reverses uh, the federal appellate court something like 70 some percent of the time and over 80 percent in the last term. Um, you know, the, the other scenario that's out there is, you know, uh, do the leagues now uh, try to come together and work with the gambling industry? on a bill uh, to repeal PASPA and replace it hmm. um, with a, with a regulatory framework where, you know, there, there are sort of minimum standards that are imposed at the federal level, but then it's up to the individual states to decide whether to take it, to license it and to regulate it. And I think that's the, you know, the model that essentially commissioner silver advocated for two and a half years ago. Now, the fact uh, that the Supreme court's taken the case, uh, there's a very, very real pass, uh, prospect of them uh, overruling uh, and in, invalidating PASPA in its entirety. Um, I think there's an opportunity here for the leagues to work with the gambling industry uh, on a bill that everybody can be comfortable with uh, and, tr- and then, you know, try to get that passed uh, while this case is still pending in an, in an effort to effectively moot the case. Now, you know, who knows what the chances are of that, right? Everybody are coalescing around a bill. Right. And then, uh, you know, even if you, everybody agrees to the bill, is it something Congress is going to pass? Uh, you know, repeal and replace legislation hasn't uh, had a good track record uh, this year, to be sure. Um, and so uh, I'm, I'm not really sure 
how viable a route that is, but it's certainly something that I think um, uh, folks uh, should be thinking about uh, before the case gets decided. Um, you know, but clearly, you know, there's an irreversible momentum in my mind towards legalizing sports betting. And, um, you know, whether or not it happens within a year uh, is largely a function of, uh, you know, this Supreme Court decision and how that goes down. Even if the Supreme Court were to uphold PASPA, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't think that I don't think that's the end of the issue, frankly, because right. I think the thinking of the leagues has evolved considerably on this issue. And, uh, you know, there, there's a big aspect uh, of fan engagement um, and viewership that, you know, that directly flows from uh, the ability to bet on games. And, uh, you know, if, if you can bet on the game, you're much more likely to watch it. I mean, there was a Nielsen study that uh, that showed that you know people who bet games watch you know m- nearly twice as much or something like that and you know last year it was interesting you had NFL viewership decline for like the first time I think ever right, right? for you know it's always year over year increases last year viewership declined uh, and so when the contracts come up for renewal this may be the first time the price doesn't go up you know some of that is a function of um, customers cutting the cord or not you know, not getting cable to begin with, you know, there's a lot of, you know, broader societal reasons uh, for that. Uh, But, you know, in baseball, you know, getting people out to the ballpark is a little bit different now uh, and filling seats in the stadium, you know, NASCAR, some of the NASCAR tracks are actually removing stands Hmm. so they don't look so empty on race day. Um, And so, um, you know, I think, um, you know, the league's, you know, at a point where they need to, you know, reassess their, you know, their views on uh, on sports betting, regardless of how the uh, New Jersey litigation plays out. Yeah, it's really interesting them being more proactive rather than waiting for a decision. I guess I lied. Last question. I guess back to the the original premise. Why do you think? I mean, integrity is kind of the the, the catch all, but why do you think? Despite what Silver says, despite what Manfred says, despite the NFL you know, invested in DFS so much, they're opposing the New Jersey betting. Why are they so against this uh, in court? Great question. Um, you know, look, I suppose uh, certainly, you know, the, the NBA's you know, position, and they're the only uh, of the four major leagues that has, you know, affirmatively come out in support of legalizing it um baseball has been you know, the public statements have been more measured and, and towards you know reassessing it or something like that um uh you know, the i suppose the distinction would be uh you know if you pass a bill you know at at the federal level that gives them comfort on how it's going to be regulated um you know to be seen whether or not uh you know they're interested in some type of direct economic benefit uh from legislation um, I think that remains to be seen. Um, and then, you know, the other piece to this too, Andrew, is is you have to wonder whether, you know, the decision to um, sue five years ago over yeah. this topic uh, would necessarily uh, be the same decision today. Um, and, you know, whether they necessarily view it the same way today. Uh, and so, you know, if, if this case you know, was being filed for the first time today, would it be filed and would all four leagues join in that suit? I think is, a, is, is, is a great question. Um, uh, but, you know, to some extent, you know, we're, we're, 
you know, where we um, tend to stick to prior decisions. And, you know, back in 2012, they made the decision to litigate and, and that's where they are. Um, but, you know, I, I think it is time for everybody to reassess that type of, uh, uh, of thought now that, you know, there, there's a, you know, a reasonable chance the Supreme Court is going to overturn the statute. Yeah, I mean, we are in some really changing times. I, I think, I mean, you think about 28 years ago, Pete Rose kicked out of baseball for betting, and he's gone through three commissioners, still not in, and all the all the criminals that we have in sports, and uh, Pete Rose can't get back in. I, I think, again, right, you, what, what you just said, if that happened sometime in the past couple of years, it would not be that result. Times are changing. Joe Asher, CEO of William Hill, thanks so much, my friend, for being with me on the Business of Sports. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Interesting with Joe Asher talking about the future of gambling and could it all be changing by the time the Raiders get into Vegas in 2020. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt. Listen to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, RossTucker.com, wherever you get your podcasts. I'll be back with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.